Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. I'm the host, David Intracasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss proposed reforms to the Maryland All-Pair Hospital Reimbursement System. With me to discuss the topic by phone is Mr. Rob Cohen. Welcome, Rob. Good morning, David. Thank you again, Rob, for your time. Let me begin with, uh, as usual, some uh, context. Under the federal Medicare waiver, or under a federal Medicare waiver, and for the past 36 years, Maryland has been allowed to set its own hospital reimbursement rates. It's the only state currently doing so. Maryland's program has been reasonably successful. Its average hospital cost per mission is below the national average. Last week, Maryland asked the federal government to approve a new waiver that would revise the method by which the state reimburses its hospitals. What this means in sum is that Maryland will cap hospital cost growth based on or tied to the state's economic growth rate. The state promises to better control hospital cost growth or total hospital expenses in several ways, including reducing hospital readmissions and hospital-acquired infections and to make other quality of care improvements. Again, with me to discuss Maryland's proposal is Mr. Rob Cohen. Rob's bio is posted on the podcast website. So with that, Rob, let me begin by asking you this question. I noted Maryland's success to date, uh, so let me begin by asking, what has uh, Maryland's, or why has uh, Maryland remained unique? Originally, uh, there were four states given authority to test all-payer systems. Uh, yes, David, thank you, that's right. There were a number of states many years ago at this point, it's been many years since Maryland has been the only one, and I think Maryland has been able to keep its waiver because it has been able to continue meeting the goals related to cost, equity, and access through the all-payer system. Um, but by having a system that brings in all payers, it was able to get hospitals focus on cost on a average cost per admission basis without cost shifting, which gets folks to focus actually on the cost side as opposed to cost shifting and bringing in more revenue and letting costs rise. So the cost thing ties into equity because it keeps everybody paying the same amount. And I think Maryland has also been successful on the access side because it has used the all-payer system to finance social costs, including uh, bad debt, charity care, and teaching, and spread that across the system. So I think it's it's been able to maintain it because of its success related to cost, equity, and access are three key components. So Maryland has been uniquely successful in retrospect now. Let me go to uh, the obvious next question, which is, uh, why change now? I mean, why submit... Uh, why now submit a uh, proposal to reform the waiver? Um, thanks, David. I think a reason for that is that um, the goals are changing, and I believe that people are realizing that that it's not just cost per admission, but that volume and quality are key components of what one needs to be successful. And the new system brings in a focus on on the triple aim, um, on better health and better care and overall costs by being able to focus on volume. 
a a cost per case system by definition focuses on cost per admission but does not place incentives on the number of admissions and and I really believe that for example related to the chronically ill that that quality and cost and volume go hand in hand and I think the new system by focusing on total cost per beneficiary will hopefully really bring quality and and volume into the picture more so than focusing only on cost per case. Okay, so that leads to my next question. Uh, As I noted, the overarching goal is to limit or fix hospital cost growth. Uh, Can you explain the revised calculation? You did suggest what it was, uh, but can you say uh, more about what was it and what will it be? Uh, Yes, so it was cost per case. So case mix adjusted, cost per hospital case, and in the future, it will be total hospital cost per capita. And actually, I will go back, I think it's okay here, to address some of the last question, which is, I talked about why change now, but I think it's also worth pointing out, it's not just that we want to focus on the triple aim, it's also that it gets harder nationally to meet the test of cost per admission because nationally there is cost shifting and national and the the old test was focused solely on medicare cost per admission and if nationally medicare updates are tight and hospital hospitals are able to cost shift it makes it hard for maryland to hold with the national rate of increase in cost per admission, whereas if nationally we can now bring volume into the picture, so now we get to the new test. The new test is total inpatient and outpatient hospital cost per capita. We believe that nationally there's more room to outperform the nation at this point, as many have been focused for years on cost per case, for example, under the DRG system. But we just believe there's nationally more room to outperform by giving higher quality and reducing total costs largely through volume. So um, so that, that is the new test, and it also ties to, to why change now. And to put a finer point on your comment just made, Rob, since this system is all-payer, there is no cost shifting. Um, say, for example, if it was not the case, what hospitals weren't getting in Medicare reimbursement, they would make up by charging private payers more. But that's not possible in Maryland. Exactly. And because there's no ability to cost shift in Maryland, but yet there's a constraint on the revenue side, it forces hospitals and health systems to be focused on the cost side, much much more so than in the nation. So in the rest of the nation, for example, while Medicare and Medicaid may effectively be rate-setting payers, in Maryland there's rate-setting for all payers. And in the rest of the nation, um, hospitals can cost-shift to the private payers, and it allows them, I believe, to at some level take their eye off the cost side and solve, solve their problems through cost-shifting. Right, so they're gaming it, right. So we don't have to be efficient in Medicare. We'll just charge the private payers more. Exactly, and I believe, and and I really believe that having a a 
a cap that spans across all payers drives tremendous focus on the cost side. And in the past, that has been at the level of cost per case. And in the future, it will be at the level of total inpatient and outpatient hospital costs Let me for, then, the first five, for the first five years of this model. Right, yes. Uh, this is a phased-in approach over several years, uh, as detailed in the proposal. Let me ask you a very practical and specific question. How does this actually work? Will hospitals now, uh, or will they be given a fixed budget and they can only bill up to that amount annually? Or exactly how does this work in practice? So that's a very good question, David. Um, historically, the way the system has worked is that hospitals charge on a unit rate basis, and they reconcile to the amount they're allowed to charge. And I would assume that that will be the way it will continue to be. So even if you're given a global budget, you'll continue to charge on a unit rate basis. And it has to, as I'm thinking through it, it sort of has to be that way in order to be equitable across payers because each payer will pay a unit rate. And if you think, for example, let's say you're missing your mark as it gets towards the end of the year. You've either, you're either getting close to your cap or you have a lot of room related to your cap, then you could raise or lower your unit rates, but that would fairly hit, continue to hit all payers. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Now let's move on to um, then more of the macro uh, issue here. The state promises in its proposal to save at least $330 million. That amount is basically the amount of money they would otherwise a charge um, under the current program, so they're avoiding that cost of $330 million in the first five years via various quality improvement delivery forms. I mentioned two, uh, reduced hospital readmissions and reduced hospital-acquired infections. Uh, there's a long list. What are some of the other more noteworthy, you think noteworthy, uh, reforms to actually drive costs down? Sure, and that, that's a great question. And I'd also step back and say, why is this, and, and, and how do you think about this notion within an all-payer system that you're saying CMS will save at least $330 million in the context of an all-payer system? And what that means to me is that there's room in Medicare. And why is there room in Medicare? There's room in Medicare because commercial payers have been focused on volume-related issues for many, many years through disease management and other approaches and care management and care coordination and care transitions. And similarly in Medicaid, Maryland has had managed Medicaid for, I believe, well more than a decade. So in, in my mind, Medicare fee-for-service, and by the way, there is almost no Medicare Advantage in Maryland. It's a state that where Medicare is almost entirely fee-for-service. So to me, what this is saying is that our, our, our focus on quality will disproportionately hit Medicare because there's room. And as you mentioned, the, the waiver requirements of the new system uh, note specific, specific things, including substantial reductions in hospital readmissions and, and um, hospital, 
hospital complications. But I, I think there's also a number of other areas where Medicare could substantially outperform the rest of the market, and those would be for the big chronic diseases and using population-based care management initiatives, primary care medical homes, gain-sharing paper performance, um, and community-based care management models that focus on things like diabetes and congestive heart failure and COPD and chronic kidney disease and ESRD. These these diseases are, are very unmanaged in Medicare fee-for-service. So I think if we do a good job with quality-related rate, rate, quality initiatives, these things will naturally, disproportionately save money for the Medicare population more so than other populations. And you make an interesting uh, side point, the absence of Medicare Advantage plans. These are private plans that offer Medicare coverage. Um, my guess is, approved, assuming this waiver gets approved, that that um, will persist. The absence of Medicare Advantage plans in Maryland. Uh, I'm not sure. I would surmise one way or the other. There, uh, Medicare Advantage plans have come and gone in Maryland. Um, it's quite possible that they'll continue to to stay gone. I'm not sure that the absence of them is entirely logical from a business sense. I, I, Maryland is different, and I think that keeps people away. Many of the Medicare Advantage plans nationally are understand the national market, and Maryland is different, but I'm, I'm not sure it's necessarily different in a bad way for Medicare Advantage plans. And I also wonder if if you now, for the next many years, have a system which, is in, which encourages hospitals to focus on volume. Uh, the way I think of it, they'll be working with the plan community, if you will, sort of as opposed to against the plan community, at least somewhat in a system where, where the constraint is cost per case and hospitals don't have an incentive to control volume, I would think that would make it harder for plans as opposed to a system that encourages hospitals to also focus on um, the volume side. You would think potentially that could even be good for plans. So I'm, I'm not sure I'd surmise either way with respect to the future of Medicare Advantage in Maryland. Okay, thank you. Well, what do you see as the more significant challenges now in implementing or phasing uh, in this program? So I would think the challenge is just that getting at the volume side will require community-based care management and programs that get outside the four walls of the hospital to drive uh, better health and better care. Um, but particularly better health, getting outside the four walls of the hospital. Um, there are a number of uh, organizations focused on that, public organizations, private organizations, payers that have primary care medical home models. Um, the state has got a grant from CMS for a state innovation model focused on hot spotting and building uh, utility 
all-payer care management, if you will. Um, I think so. I think there'll be the challenges relate to um, developing the infrastructure to to do community-based care management, and then also on the the data and reporting side, just having the information to coordinate care for populations. I think Maryland has had and does have a great all-payer um, admission database, but having having data that allows you to follow patients throughout the system and throughout their lives to better coordinate their care, I think will be a challenge. So in some uh, greater, much greater emphasis on both primary and secondary uh, prevention, when you say outside the four walls of the hospital, you mean keeping patients outside de facto the four walls of the hospital. Let me ask you a related follow-up question. What, what's your sense of what this means um, for hospital consolidation or just healthcare consolidation more generally? Because, of course, when you talk about better continuum and continuity of care and better coordination of care, um, you know, that's maybe more easily achieved if you have fewer sort of disparate providers. I, I think that's a very good question. Um, I'm not sure I know the answer. There has been a fairly large amount of consolidation in Maryland over the past many years, and I could see why consolidation would make it easier to, to do these things. Consolidation um, both at the level of the, the hospital and, and also with physicians, and there's been a fair amount of uh, physician-related consolidation in Maryland as well. Um, it's a little different from your question on consolidation, but I, I do know one of the key focuses of the new waiver is physician alignment and engagement and creating programs which align the incentives of physicians with the incentives of hospitals and to develop uh, pay-for-performance and gain-sharing initiatives, which, again, are not only focused on cost per case, but are focused on volume and reward reward physicians for, for keeping patients healthy. So I do, my final question was, what's success here? And, of course, it's more than just containing or capping uh, hospital costs. As you already suggested, it's really about just improving population health, keeping people um, uh, out of the hospital uh, with less uh, disease burden and with uh, the phrase is more compressed morbidity, meaning if they have a disease, uh, they don't suffer uh, any disability or measurable disability from the disease in that it's well managed. But let me ask you this question then instead. What's your, can I ask you to handicap what's your sense of the approval um, or whether the CMS um, does approve this, or maybe the other way to ask this question is, what uh, weaknesses, if any, do you see in this proposal? Um, I, I'm not sure I would, would notice any weaknesses, and I, I, I don't feel, uh, I'm not sure that I could comment on, on handicapping. I don't know if that would be appropriate. I, I get the sense that it's going forward. I think it's for absolutely all the right reasons, as we talked about before, I think a system that's focused on 
total population costs in today's day and age and focused on the triple aim in healthcare, which the nation is focused on, is, is more appropriate um, than a system that's focused solely on cost per case. And I also think that while the, you know, as, as you suggested, and I think you're exactly right, that the, while at the highest level, people may refer to the test as a, a all-payer total hospital payments test for inpatient and outpatient payments, I think that success is not just on the payment side, that if we focus on the, on the better health and the better care side, then the costs will take care of itself. In other words, you, you can always manage costs. One could manage costs by just cutting unit rates, but that wouldn't be success. That would be bad for the system. Um, and and you know be problematic for for many of the constituents. But if we can but if we can drive better health and better care, then folks will still be able to get compensated well for the care that they do provide. But yet in total, costs will be fine because we'll have reduced volume through improved health. Great. Well, Rob, we're uh, sorry to stay at our uh, time boundary. We covered a lot of ground in this conversation, so I'm very appreciative for your time, and let's see uh, how this goes, and I hope it is successful. Thank you very much, David. Thank you, Rob.